everyone, and welcome to this week's podcast. I'm your host, Prina Tobin. And today I am delighted and excited to have Brian Ohengasa. Delighted that I asked him how to pronounce his name first before going into this recording because I would have got it wrong and forgotten an ah. But hey, I think that was okay. Brian, what do you think? Yeah, perfect. Perfect. Thank you for having me on. I'm delighted to have you on. So give us a little bit of a background info on yourself, first of all, Brian. Yeah, sure thing. My my 30-second elevator pitch. So I have a Bachelor's of Human Nutrition from UCD. And since I graduated, I got into uh, studying a lot more in the kind of behavioral psychology side of things. So the nutrition coaching aspect. And that is what I've gotten into in terms of uh, my career. So I've been, I've been coaching people. Uh, I think it's my fifth year now coaching people. Um, and I'm currently the head nutritionist, head nutrition coach uh, for Triage Method, which is a online um, coaching uh, service, uh, in one-to-one coaching um, uh, and education platform. So that's what I spend all my time doing now, as well as come on, lovely podcast like yourself. Great stuff. What is the most challenging part of being a nutrition coach? Um, the most challenging part of being a coach is, I suppose, helping people understand what's important uh, for getting the results. Because I find people can be very, very hard on themselves. Um, so the conclusion I've come to a lot of the time is that it takes less, I think, than what people expect to get the results they want but it takes longer than they expect as well so it's this idea of you know getting you know getting it 70 percent right 100 percent of the time rather than 100 percent right only 20 percent of the time which is i think where a lot of people end up so trying to help people because a lot of people will come from um backgrounds of having kind of crappy I won't call it coaching. It's not really coaching, but like crappy experiences with, um, you know, uh, transformations and things like that with their nutrition and their health. Uh, so it's trying to like undo all that and help them see what's actually important and what's actually relevant to uh, getting their goals in order. Okay. So coaching for you then really is about creating a sustainable uh, nutrition program that can sort of mold around your health requirements or your goals rather than giving you i suppose a quick fix yeah 100 percent. so it's it's fitting my plan to the client and what their needs are rather than hey this is how i do things you have to slot into this you know system uh, and that's going to spit out like a, a transformation after eight weeks like that's not what it's about about building a relationship with the client and uh, guiding them you know along the way because a lot of the time people have their own have the answers really they you just need a bit of help in seeing that and and building some self-confidence and and informing them properly on what they need to do uh, and help them get out of their own way essentially is a lot of what the job entails i think do you think the majority of people know what to eat yeah i i do yeah (laughs) that's the thing people yeah go on So why don't they, what's the barrier? Like what's the biggest barrier you see to actually, I suppose, you know, bridge that knowledge behavioral gap? 
there's a few key components to yeah it's bridging that gap from knowledge to implementation and and actually getting the habits and behaviors in order so that's what's going to drive any sort of result in anything like not just nutrition and health but anything you know if you have a goal of some sort that will always be distilled into behaviors and practices that you do on a daily and weekly basis and that's what gets you there so what gets in the way would be things like you know having structures in place you know so having like a rough idea of say when you're going to have your meals for example you know when you're going to exercise uh you know when you're going to go to bed this sort of thing so like having a very very loose it can be as loose as, as it needs to be but like a skeleton structure of okay how, how does my day and week actually run and then not having it so rigid that you can't adapt to when whatever life throws at you especially for like yourself and, and people listening to this podcast like if you're busy mums like you it's hard to you know plan for everything like it's not really feasible and if you try to it you'll end up more stressed out and and feel like you're less able to implement things and you got to take baby steps so you know work on one thing at a time don't try and do too much uh, all at once that's one of the major um limiting factors i think for people is that they they think they have to be perfect uh and when they can't achieve the perfection that they've set out for themselves they they just give up because they're like well I, I can't do this you know i keep failing so it's about moving the goalposts so to speak in terms of what actually counts as a successful day or a week in terms of your nutrition and health rather than people setting these like super super high standards where they can't meet them and then they're like well i can't do this so uh, i'm just going to stop um and the, the, maybe the last one there would be like cultivating an environment that's supportive of your goals so, you know, things like meal prep that would fall in the structure, but, you know, you need to have food in the fridge ready to, for you to eat it if, you know, you have certain targets hit because as humans will always tend to go for the easier option. So if, if you're stuck between like ordering food because it's been a long day and you're tired and you don't feel like cooking, if there's nothing in the fridge for you to eat or to put together, you know, reasonably quickly, then of course you're going to go for the easier option of just ordering a takeaway, for example. Um, so being aware of, you know, the environmental approach, whereas if you open up the fridge and there's a lot of meals there, it's like, Oh, okay, I can just do this. Um, and, and you know, that that's extremely helpful and understanding how your environment influences your behavior because it does to a huge degree, like your environment is full of triggers, uh, that cue behavior, uh, you know, so if you, like always have like biscuits and chocolate and stuff out on the counter in your kitchen. And every time you walk by, you grab one, like you wouldn't, you wouldn't do that if they were in the back of a press where you wouldn't see them all the time. Whereas if you have a fruit bowl on the counter and that's what you walk by, you know, five or six times a day, it's more likely you're going to eat more fruit, for example. Okay. So am I correct then in saying that everybody really has a different journey and it depends on where they are and how much change they're willing to make then determines the sort of plan and relationship that you guys have. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, you know, I, I, you always have to meet people where they're currently at. And this is a big part of the coaching process. It's not that it's people, it's people are trying to, they think they're further along so to speak than where they are so they need smaller changes and they need like easy to implement changes that they can stick with and then the approach they actually see is like oh i'm actually doing this 
and they build up that sense of self-efficacy and then you can start scaling it up as you go. So I always prefer people to start small and then build up from there. So, you know, if we set a target of eating, you know, three servings of fruit and veg per day in week one, you know, if, if the person's not eating many at all, like three and one or two, you know, that is a nice step up. Like that's an extra serving per day. And then, you know, if that, if that's done and that's easy, then they're like, Hey, yeah, give me more. All right, coach, I'm ready for more. Let's talk about how we do this. And often when talking to someone about making a change, the, the question I have to follow up with is, you know, how are you actually going to do that? What do you think you need to change in order to make the change? Right. So it's like yeah. a, a meta level thing where it's not good enough for me to just say, Hey, go and do this. And that's your behavior. It's like, Hey, how do you think we might do this? And then if they need help in terms of going about that, then that's you know where I can step in and, and give some suggestions. Okay. So although then the, the journey for everyone is very different, is the diet that they ladder up to the same or similar? Yeah, it would probably fit a, a fairly similar template. Like this is something I like to say a lot that, you know, people ask me and ask you, what's the best diet for X, Y, Z? And quite often, like with, it, with some little bits of nuance, uh, as an exception, it's mostly the same sort of thing. Like it's, you know, a diet that's reasonably high in plant foods, reasonably high in fiber, mostly, uh, you know, minimally processed foods, but not 100% minimally processed foods because there is an allowance for uh, treats and things to make the diet more sustainable. Uh, they're generally going to have a reasonably high protein intake, you know, for satiety purposes and, and managing energy. Uh, they're going to have a a pretty healthy uh, like balance of fat intake. So, you know, mostly, uh, you know, plant-derived fat sources like nuts and avocados, olive products, uh, oily fish, that sort of thing, um, and take care of any potential nutrient deficiencies. So, you know, omega-3s would be common because a lot of people in Ireland especially don't eat a lot of oily fish, uh, vitamin D, depending on the time of the year. And, yeah, I mean, that, that's kind of the the bones of what a healthy diet will look like and what you're building up towards. And then you also factor in, okay, what's this person's individual preferences? What are their specific considerations that have any, you know, health conditions or have any say, you know, if they want to be a high performing athlete, do they have other considerations uh, uh, with that in mind? But yeah, yeah. The, the bones of it is quite similar a lot of the time. Yeah. Cause that's one of the questions I get asked quite a lot. What should I eat? not just what diet is for what, just what should I eat? You mentioned processed foods and you mentioned them in the context of processed foods and treats. So should we only be eating processed foods if they're a treat? No, I think what do you, what's, what's processed in your world? <laughs> yeah. Like and I, I've spoken about this uh, a fair amount. I did a, an Instagram video on it recently, which you might, you've probably seen. So. Yeah. I've, yeah. Um, all your content recently you've upped your game brian <laughs> yeah. definitely well, it's, gone, it's gone from posting nothing to actually posting consistently so uh yeah but it's yeah. going down really well so i appreciate the the feedback um but yeah i think because you'll see certain people saying oh you know you just you just need to cut out all processed foods but if you actually ask yourself okay what well, well what is a processed food and pretty much all food that we eat is processed by beef mince in a shop like that has been that has been minced like that is technically a processing 
uh, of that food. Yes, it doesn't mean that it's unhealthy. So processed food does not equal unhealthy food. So what we get into then is the, the term used is, you know, ultra processed food. So these are foods that we generally think of as, you know, quote unquote treat or quote unquote junk foods. Those aren't terms I like to use, but people get what I mean when I say that. Um, so they're, you know, higher in refined sugars, refined flours, uh, higher in, in say, uh, you know, saturated fats, for example, salt, and usually all that combined. So they're what we classify as like ultra processed. Um, they tend to be higher in calories as well. So, and, and lower in nutrients. So they're better reserved for like the, if you take an 80, 20 approach, you know, so 20% of your diet may come from those sorts of foods, but they can absolutely be in there. Um, but people are led to believe that, you know, they need to eat just unprocessed food all the time, but like processing can be quite convenient and convenience is a massive factor for people. Right. So if I can go in and buy, you know, microwave pouches of rice or microwave pouches of lentils and they're ready in a minute or two minutes in the microwave and that's that carbohydrate source ready for me and I don't have to spend you know the 15 minutes or whatever cooking it on the hob then that can be very advantageous uh, you know for me to stick to a, a reasonably healthy eating pattern you know if you get vegetables that are pre-chopped or the uh, you know the frozen kind of diced garlic and herbs and spices like they're great because then you don't have to spend a few minutes peeling, chopping the garlic. Um, same thing with onions. So all these foods are technically processed and they're all more convenient, but like convenience and processing is not a bad situation. It's, uh, you know, we want things to be as convenient as possible because then it's easier for people to stay on the path, basically. Mm. My, one of my favorite dinners to make, and it's not to eat, it's to make, is like chicken fetus. Because it's all pre-done. Pre and I know that day I'm like, oh, it's only going to take me five minutes. This is amazing. And I actually get the butcher to also chop my chicken. So I don't even have to touch it because I hate that job. <laughs> so, yeah, it, I mean, it is, you know, it is about convenience, particularly when you have family and a job and all the other things that you're trying to get going. But you still have to be prepared to have that in the fridge. So, mm. you know. Yeah. Um, what about, you know, Lots of people talk about a balanced diet. Is there actually such thing as a balanced diet? Like, what does that mean? Is Because balance to you might be different to balance to me. Yeah, I think, I think when people talk about balance, it's, it's trying to cultivate, you know, a decent relationship with food so that you're not demonizing any, any particular types of foods so that you, you can understand that I can have nearly anything and everything with some degree of moderation or some degree of, you know, awareness of portions. So, you know, can you go and eat, you know, crisps and chocolate and cake as your three meals a day? You know, that's probably not a good idea, but can you incorporate that around a, a eating pattern that resembles something that we described earlier, you know, rich in, in plant foods, rich in say lean proteins, um, and healthy fats. So, I mean, you know, I, you know, technically if you're talking about balance, like would that be 50, 50 of, you know, that food versus whatever we deem as more unhealthy or less nutritious food? I don't think so, but just to under, for people to understand that they can incorporate 
nearly anything and everything, depending on the proportions of how it exists in their overall diet and lifestyle. Yeah. So realistically, like when you think about it, it sounds fairly simple. And I think, you know, probably even our parents' generation had maybe a better base diet than we do, or that maybe, you know, the next generation have, you know, they ate their three meals a day, maybe snacked. Uh, They had their veg, they had their potatoes, they had their fruit, they had their protein. So why is it so hard for us? Like who's, I won't say fault, but who's in, like who is influencing the majority of people in society to make that so difficult and to make diet this, this kind of epic, I suppose, mountain that some people feel that it is. And when they come to us, they say, you know, oh, you're going to make me, you know, you're going to cut this out and you're going to cut that out and you're going to, you know, um, what, what's happened? Well, there's a lot of misinformation, I suppose, put out there by many, many people that are, that's just, it's just bogus and it gets people believing that that's how it has to be, you know, that they have to cut out all this stuff. Um, we live in sort of, I think we're all quite time poor now compared to say our parents or our grandparents. So we don't have as much time to devote to, you know, cooking uh, and preparing more nutritious meals. There's uh, a huge abundance and availability of easy to consume, super tasty, uh, you know, higher calorie, lower nutrient foods that we can all access. Uh, You know, we can can get, you don't even have to leave the house anymore to, you know, get all the food that you want. You can get it all delivered to your door. Um, So, I mean, and then because we're so time poor, then we live in this sort of quick fix mentality where people sell that idea. So, you know, you might sign up for like an eight week transformation or something like that. And then that's what that diet looks like is that it's, you cut out everything because the people running that are trying to generate a huge result and a nice before and after photo to then be able to sell more of those programs. And like those crash diets, which are the, what those look like, like there, yeah, they have to cut back on everything because they have to make them super low calorie to generate the amount of say weight loss or the amount of results in a short space of time. Um, but it leads people to have a really unhealthy relationship with food because they associate all those foods that they cut out with being the problem or it wasn't the problem. Um, it was just that they went on a super low calorie diet and, and, you know, beat themselves up with exercise until like, you know, you can get through so many weeks on, on willpower alone. Um, but if you never learn any kind of foundational habits and principles along that path, then you have nothing to fall back on once the, that period is over. And that's one of the biggest issues. People don't spend the time saying, okay, this is what I need to do, say, on a daily basis. Let's try and do this for several months and keep tweaking it and keep pushing it up towards that sort of uh, top tier that we talked about earlier that, uh, you know, the thing that I'm pushing all my clients towards to some extent, um, you know, let's actually put the work in. And what would, like, typically, I suppose, what would sort of your top three or four um, habits that you would change or that you would look to change in someone who came to you? Yeah, so the the ones that we have to look at all the time 
with nearly everybody is something like you know protein intake and the distri distribution of that across the day. So most people don't have any protein in their breakfast, uh, which means they probably get hungrier sooner. Um, so they may be more inclined to snack in the early in the late morning, and then uh, same sort of idea for lunch as well. Lunches tend to be kind of lower in protein, so trying to resolve that and getting people say having more high protein yogurt uh, in the morning, for example, or you know protein shakes or um, you know, if they have time to make like a, an egg breakfast, like so be it. But doing that, first of all, means, you know, they're, they're more satisfied, their hunger levels more even across the day. Therefore, they're less likely to just grab something as a snack because they're starting to feel hungry and it's not lunchtime yet. Um, so there's the protein aspect. There's also the fruit and vegetable aspect, you know, everybody pretty much needs to eat more fruits and vegetables so trying to build that in and something i really push is like you know eat a lot of fruit you know you see people throwing like six blueberries into their porridge and it's like you could eat like a whole punnet and that would be you'd be happy out with that um now it's expensive so i do recommend frozen fruit a lot as well but uh trying to eat more of those sort of plants working with people to try and help them incorporate more fruits and vegetables into their day because they're going to get a lot of nutrients that way, a lot of vitamins and minerals, a lot of fiber. So it's going to be great for the digestion, wellness, and how they feel. And again, they're going to be more full because those foods are like, you can eat a lot of them and it's not very many calories. Um, so it's like a, a perfect combination of actually providing a lot of nutrients and, uh, you know, being quite filling. And then, We'd also look at, and this is a big one, like the, the whole mindful eating side of things where people tend to rush, the, again, because we're so time poor, people rush their meals, they're eating on the go, you know, you're, you're eating while you're in the car trying to get the kids to school, whatever it is. So you don't actually get to appreciate the food that you're eating. You don't get to tune into your own body to say, okay, how full am I actually here? Um, how much more food do I want here? How does this feel now after I've eaten this meal? Um, so that's something that, that's, that's huge for people to work on because you get a huge, much, a huge amount more satisfaction from the same meal depending on how you eat it. So you sit down to eat it, try and eat it slowly, right? You may not always be able to eat it mindfully. You know, if there's kids throwing their, their lunch at you while you're trying to eat. But, um, you know, you can eat it slowly. You can, you can ask yourself, hey, on a scale of one to 10, how full am I right now? And, you know, for anyone who's trying to like go for fat loss or, or th that would be like a, a seven to eight out of 10 um, full is what we usually aim for. Um, but actually tasting the food and actually experiencing the food because we eat a lot of the food that we eat just mindlessly. It's, you know, it, you could sit down in front of the TV in the evening when you're relaxing, maybe the kids are gone to bed and just pick, pick at whatever's, in front of you and I could ask you, you know, what did you just eat? And you may not be able to tell me. Um, so actually working with people to eat more mindfully, actually experience their food, be present with it and just ask themselves, you know, how, how full am I here? How hungry am I here? And if you combine that with what I said already about, you know, higher protein, higher plant food diets, it's very, it's a lot easier to be more successful. Um, and like we're yeah we're just not used to doing that anymore because like good example you know kid, young kids and babies and stuff don't need to track their calories 
you know, they eat when they're hungry and they stop when they're full. And it's just something that we lose. You know, we're told, you know, you need to finish your plate, otherwise you don't get dessert. Um, you know, people will use food as a way to manage emotions a lot of the time. That's another kind of topic. But just tuning back in and being present with the meal makes a huge amount of difference. And that's something you can do without ever having to change what you're eating. But then if you do that as well, then you're, you're really onto a winner, I think. Yeah. Um, I remember when I had my first child and I used, to, I used to be, you know, you're weaning him and you'd be like, oh my God, he's only had three spoons. Why has he only had three spoons? And you analyze everything and you're like, he's going to be up tonight. You're actually thinking about yourself that I'll be up tonight if I don't stuff this into him. But yeah, they really know when they're full and we totally lose that. Um, but again, I suppose that's another thing. Like mothers aren't taught that, you know, when they're, fu- when they're you know, you're given guidelines, they should eat this many spoons. But like, that's ridiculous. Should they eat as much as they want? And, you know, they'll cry then when they're, they're hungry again. And generally they don't because, you know, they have a fairly regular um ability i suppose to to regulate you know when they're full um so just quickly then and to recap i suppose and as a final question what are from what we've discussed and i know you've gone into super detail really about this final question but just quickly and to kind of clarify again for listeners so what are your top three i suppose things that people should take from what we've discussed um, and on how to, I suppose, practice more, uh, practice better nutrition. Sure. So I would say, I mean, as a, as a kind of underlying principle here, you also have to be aware of what you are eating. So that's where something like a food diary for a week or two can be very illuminating. You know, so if you write that, if you keep a record of everything that you eat for a week or two and look at that and say, okay, how does that match up with either what I'm talking about here or what you just think yourself uh, in terms of what you may should be eating. Um, so that can be very helpful. But for me, in terms of things that people can go and, and implement straight away, it's like, okay, look, can you ensure that you're having a, a decent amount of protein at every meal that you have, every main meal? So breakfast, lunch, and dinner, whereas for most people, it's just going to be dinner. Okay. So that's like having your, you know, your, a couple hundred grams of skier yogurt or or something similar in the morning with whatever else you're having usually you know if you're having a bowl of porridge then have the um the yogurt with that and you'll notice that you're a lot more full for the rest of the morning um up until lunchtime with that and uh, then you can start to look at trying to add more fruits and vegetables to your diet right that's something that's kind of we're beating people over the head with as nutritionists for years but it does work so if you can start to implement that. So maybe you just have a, like a big, big bowl of berries with your breakfast as well. Then you're off to a really good start. And maybe that's all you change for, you know, the first week, first two weeks, see how that goes. Um, and then trying to incorporate more vegetables. So, you know, can you have some soup with your lunch? Can you make a salad to have with your lunch? Uh, as opposed to just having a sandwich and whatever's in the sandwich. Um, can you have a smoothie with some, you know, spinach and fruit and whatever else somewhere throughout the day? And then with all of this, or you, even without doing any of that, can you try to be a bit more mindful with your eating? So 
Can you sit down to have the meal? Can you pay attention to the meal rather than being distracted by screens or phones? Um, you know, if you're, if you're distracted by people, that's okay. Um, you know, it's good to eat in company. Not or, really. <laughs> or if not you're looking at... I eat, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you're looking after the kids, like it's a, it's a harder thing to do, but that's, that's what I'm saying. So th this kind of underpins almost the whole conversation is that if someone listens to this and say, oh, Brian says I need to like eat super mindfully and super slowly and pay attention to my fullness and I can't get that perfect, then I shouldn't try at all. That's that's the key point. That's what you don't want to do. You can assess where you are right now and you can do a little better, right? In any, in any of those categories, you can, you can try a little bit more and accept that that is good enough, right? Because good enough is good enough, right? You don't have to be perfect. Um, so can you try and take about 15 minutes to eat the meal? Can you you know, just, just ask yourself, hey, what does this actually taste like as you're eating it? And not, not the whole time necessarily, because you'd be distracted, you're looking after your kids, whatever it is. But you say like, okay, what kind of flavors do I get here? And then a few times throughout the meal, say, okay, how full do I feel here? What do I notice? All right, so it's actually just tuning back into your body. And if you can do that, at like most eating occasions, you're going to be much, much better off. Okay, so you have given our listener a huge amount of knowledge around what to do. So one last question then, what one thing should they do to try and implement one of these things? Because that's what we've already discussed is that knowledge isn't everything. It's then, can you give them one tip to try and actually implement some, implement what you've said and maybe turn it into a behavior or habit? Yeah, so I think it's important to know what you're aiming at, first of all. So writing down what the goal is. So if the goal is I'm going to eat you know, more protein at breakfast, you have to ask yourself, all right, what do I need to do to make that a reality? And it's okay, maybe do I need to buy some more of that yogurt that I'm talking about and then have that in the fridge? And then, But you need to know what you're aiming at because if, if, if you're just taking a vague kind of yeah, okay, Brian said protein and, and, and fruits and vegetables are good, but that's it, and you don't have a, a plan as such to, to implement it, it's probably not going to take you very far. So pick one of the things, write it down on paper, and say, you know, I will do whatever the behavior is, right? That just, just the act of doing that makes it a lot more likely that you're going to do it. Uh, you know, having some way to track or engagement with that behavior can be hugely beneficial so there's lots of very simple habit tracking apps like habit bull is one um so you just pop that open like you know tick the box to say did i do this thing today or did i not and then you can kind of keep score that we're very we're, we've we like visual kind of scorekeeping like that and it helps keep us accountable um so but it's really just asking yourself that question okay what do i actually want to do what's be specific make a very concrete behavior goal and then say, okay, what do I actually have to do to make that a reality? Because most people will know how to actually implement it. Um, but they just have to give it that thought and consideration rather than only ever thinking about, oh, the goal is just to lose weight or something like that. You know, yeah. you have to look at the behavior targets, write them down and decide, okay, what do I need to do to, to actually take action on this so you know is it i will have one 
fruit and veg smoothie per day, for example. Uh, and, you know, you'll say maybe when you're going to have that, you know, do you have that in the, with your breakfast? Do you have that as a snack in between meals? Do you have it at the end of the day? Um, write all that stuff down. So you actually have a clear target that you're aiming at. Because if you don't, then, you know, you'll, you'll miss the mark. Yeah. Brilliant. That is absolutely brilliant. I know when I write things down, I am better able to stick to them. Um, and certainly if you need some help with your coaching, um, everybody should check out Brian. Uh, I think your, your Instagram is probably the best place to figure out how to contact you um, because you're certainly doing, uh, I think, a huge volume of practical content, which is, which is what I love. You're really trying to get the message across that, I suppose, all of the things you've said. Um, so, yeah, everybody should check Brian out. Brian, is there anywhere else that they should contact you? Uh, no, you're out? right, Karina. The, uh, the Instagram is the best. So it's at Brian O'Hangasa. But you'll probably see that written down somewhere to, <laughs> to figure it out. To be honest, I'll, link, put it, I'll link it all here. Yeah, if you search Brian OH on, on Instagram, it'll probably come up. Um, but you can also go to triagemethod.com, uh, which is the website. You can find out more about the coaching service there and, and more kind of free content and resources. And there's a triage method Instagram too. So um, any of those places are going to be good. You'll, you'll find me eventually through any of those channels. Perfect. I'll link everything and they'll find you. He's the guy with the nice curly hair at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, thanks a million, Brian, for your time. And we should talk to you soon. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Everyday Nutrition. Please hit subscribe and or leave a review on your favorite podcast app. And please join me on the next episode soon. Oh.